For those who don't remember, uh, that's the week that I do something that I rarely do. I actually throw my sermon away and start all over again. Which, by the way, if you have the thing for today and it says the sermon is going to be a now, you know, to announce, you can get rid of Ephesians. We're not going to be there today. And the sermon, that's interesting, is just left blank, which is good. Because that's what it was for me towards the end of the week. You know, it's, it's not really rare for me to rewrite portions of my sermons. I occasionally rewrite that uh, the, do that. But I never ever really just like throw it out and throw the passage out. And that's what makes it different. That's what makes Crazy Sermon Sunday Crazy Sermon Sunday, right? It, uh, it's one of those things where we just sense that God wants to go in a different way today. And I sense that God wants to do something different today in our lives. So if you would, uh, you know the drill. Grab the Bibles out of the pews. You know, it's that black book. Uh, and turn with me. I don't actually have the page number this morning, but turn with me to first, uh, second Timothy chapter 1. Somebody has it. What is that page number in the Pew Bible? Hmm? This is like a Bible drill. Who gets there first? 1267. Thank you. Turn with me to page 1267 in your Bibles and listen to the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my fathers, when I remember you constantly in my prayers. As I remember your tears, I long night and day to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, some of your translations say, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. May God add his blessing to this, his holy word. You know, many of you who've spent much time with me know that I kind of have this saying uh, that living the Christian life is kind of like going to an amusement park every day. I'm sure you've heard me say that. It's a great, awesome adventure filled with all kinds of rides, right? Some are exciting, some are fun, some are memorable, you know, while others are scary, tense, and so turbulent that they're no fun at all. And I find myself just wanting off, ending it. But good or bad, I think each ride is a part of the experience of life. And at the end of the day, most days, I could say that I got my money's worth, okay? And, but every day, every day, as a Christian, I can say that I wouldn't trade my life as a devoted Christ follower for anything, regardless of the ride. Now, this week, you know, as I sat with Tom and Nick and Alex at the sheriff's office, I can honestly tell you, it was one of the scariest, most turbulent rides of my whole life. Uh, and I know that 
you guys can identify with that. Exhausted, empty, and confused, I walked out of the sheriff's office asking, God, what do we do when the bottom falls out? You know, at 14, I wasn't a churchgoer. My family didn't go to church. I couldn't tell you, you know, Jesus from what? I didn't know any of these guys. I could tell you Batman was, but I couldn't tell you Jesus was. Uh, I had a turbulent relationship with my dad, who was a physical abuser, and uh, I was angry. I was an angry kid. In fact, I had a gun in my car, and I was going to kill my dad the next time he touched my mom. I, I, did, I was so far from, I didn't know God. And uh, we had a farm, and my dad liked free labor, so uh, he had me up on the top of the barn, putting a roof in one day in the middle of the summer. Who does that? It's like 150 degrees. You think it's hot now. Man, you should be on the top of a barn in the middle of summer in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, my mind wasn't in it. I'm an angry kid, didn't want to be there to begin with, and uh, I misstepped. And the next thing you know, I'm free-falling. It's really weird, too. You, you know, the head doesn't weigh that much, but it's weird how it always goes down first. You ever notice that when you're falling? Maybe it is, maybe it is the hard heads are just way more. Who knows? Anyway, I find myself falling, and there's nothing I can do about it. And it is kind of weird. Uh, when things like that happen, things slow down. They really do. It's weird. I mean, in real time, I'm sure I'm just flying. But in my time, I'm like, it's like slow motion. Crazy. Anyway, what do we do? After, you, after you've exhausted all avenue of hope, that you can find, and you're still falling. You know, you know this isn't going to end well. Heartbreak is calling. Well, that's what our passage is about this morning. It's about what to do. And I ask you to hear this, okay, guys? Nick and Alex, Tom. What do we do when we reach what seems to be the end of the road? And I believe God has led us to this passage. I truly believe that. But before we go there, would you please pray with me? Lord, God of transformation, God of hope, we come to you this morning in a free fall. And we don't see the end of it, but we know it's not going to end well. But you, Lord, are there. So Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd speak to each of us this morning through your word, not my words, but your word, because your word is transformative, Lord. Your word changes everything. It changes us. Don't let any person this morning leave here the same. Transform us all by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, you know, before we can fully comprehend what Paul is saying here, we have to understand what's going on in Paul's life. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles. Again, keep those Bibles open this morning. We're going to need them. So turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 4, 
starting at verse 6 in 2 Timothy. Again, I don't have the page number, but you can find it. We're not going to be leaving 2 Timothy today, so for the most part, just stick in it. Listen to the word of the Lord. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Almatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus with, uh, left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. What we have here are quite possibly the last, some of the last words of Paul, the great apostle. The last words he ever wrote. As he's about to be executed, because of his unwillingness to recant before the emperor Nero, his admission to being a Christian. You see, at the time Paul wrote this letter, the fall of about 65 AD, Christians were not faring well in Rome. Because about a year earlier, July of 64, a fire broke out in the heart of Rome and the city burned for five straight days. Much of the city was destroyed, many people were killed, and immediately rumors started to spread that Nero had set the fire because he wanted to build a huge palace and he needed space. Now, immediately, Nero, in order to avert the angry mob, looked for a scapegoat, and he falsely charged the Christians with the crime of starting the fire. Immediately, Christianity was declared an illegal religion, and anyone who was connected with it was arrested. And in the midst of this intense persecution, many Christians were killed. Nero had Peter, the apostle Peter, crucified upside down. Others he had dressed up in wild beast skins, and he had them thrown into the midst of wild dogs in the Colosseum in front of the crowds and the citizens of Rome. Others, he wrapped up in robes of pitch, okay, lifted them on poles and lit them on fire to light his gardens. Unlike Peter and most other Christians, Paul was a Roman citizen. As such, he was entitled to a trial before the emperor. At the time of this letter, we see that that trial is underway. Now, Paul knew he was about to be convicted of being a Christian and going to be sentenced by Nero to beheading. He knew that. He was no stranger to persecution, the prospect of death. He'd spent much of his life since becoming a Christian in prisons. 
He'd been flogged and beaten nearly to death. He was stoned once and left for dead. He was shipwrecked three different times. One time, he spent a whole day and a night just floating in the sea. But this time is different. This time, Paul knew he wasn't going to walk out of this one alive. He knew that his time to die had come. You know, Paul knew what it was like to face a world where the bottom fell out. And in this letter to Timothy, the Holy Spirit, speaking through Paul, because we know that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? The Holy Spirit speaking through Paul tells us what we're supposed to do when our world falls apart and the bottom falls out from under us and we're falling and we can't stop. We see in Paul where we're to turn for our hope when all hope has failed. So, let's get back to our passage this morning. Let's spend a few moments in it. And in it, you're going to find three specific spiritual truths that if we'll just lay hold of them, they are going to carry us through even the deepest darkness, folks, of our lives. Listen to the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a note taker, this is the time to take a pen out, okay? And get ready. Spiritual truth number one. Never forget in the darkness the truth that God has shown you in the light. Never forget in the darkness, okay? The truth that God has shown you in the light. In the darkness of Paul's last moments, Nero labeled Paul a common criminal. But Paul knew different, folks. Paul knew that it was God alone who gives us our identity, right? And the identity that God had chosen for Paul and for us, you and me, was for him and us to be faithful and obedient servants of his son, Jesus. That's, that's our identity. That can't be stripped from us, folks, in any darkness. Now, as the sun set on Paul's life, Nero demanded that Paul die. But Paul knew different, right? Look at verse 1 again. What is the promise that Paul clings to? What does it say? The promise of what? Life. Not death. Paul knew that because he was a devoted Christ follower, Jesus' promise of life, eternal and abundant, was secure, and no person, no person can take that promise. No darkness can strip it away. So when our world comes unraveled and all looks lost, when the darkness is so black all around us that we can't see a thing, the first thing we're called to do is never forget what God has promised us in the light. Because when the light comes on, folks, it will still be there, unchanged. It's because Paul knew this truth to be solid that even though I think he had every right to be angry and bitter by the world standards, right, for what Nero was doing to him, Paul could give, because he believed this, he could give to Timothy the three things that only a Christian can give. Look at it. Grace, mercy, 
and peace. That's what he offered Timothy. All right, let's read on. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I remember constantly you in my prayers, talking to Timothy, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Spiritual truth number two. Never allow the evil of this world to keep us from thanking God for the good he showered upon us. Never allow the evil of this world to keep you and me from thanking God, being thankful for the good he has showered on us. That doesn't change. The evil cannot strip it away. and The darkness can't hide it. And along with this comes the truth that when our worlds break our hearts, okay, and throws our lives into confusions, we regain our focus, folks, by being thankful for the many blessings that God has poured into our lives. That's where we go back. I was talking to, to Nick and Alex this week and Tom, and we talked about that, being lost, because it's easy to get lost in the darkness, isn't it? But when you get lost, the best thing to do is go back when you, to the point where you weren't lost. Start there. And the best way to do that is to go back to the blessings, the good things that God has done in our lives, and start there. I know from personal experience that when my own heart is broken, that it's easy to forget that God is not the source of my brokenness, folks. But rather, he's the source of my blessings. Did you hear that? God is not the source of my brokenness. He's not the source of y'all's brokenness. He's the source of your blessing. The simple reality that all of us face is that we live in an evil world, right? Don't we? We live in a world where Satan ruthlessly and relentlessly lashes out at all people. Whether you're a Christian or not, he is an equal opportunity destroyer, isn't he? He doesn't care. He's not going to, to finish until everything that is good and beautiful lays broken in pieces. That's what he does. It would be easy here to think that Paul had some death wish or that he had a martyr complex. He's often been accused of that. But that's not true here. That's not what's happening here in Paul. Like us, Paul's desire is to live each day anew and to its fullest. He wants life. When Paul thought about he was going to be gone soon, what he thought of was that his friends are going to be left behind in an evil, dark world. And it would be easy for him to lash out at God for allowing Satan to be so diabolical and cruel. I know I would. I do sometimes. I get angry with God. Why do you let this happen? Instead, Paul chooses to praise God and thank him for allowing him to have the privilege of having such a special relationship with Timothy, even if it was only for a short while. And instead of leaving Timothy with a cynical fatalism about life and God, Paul encourages Timothy to keep going 
and to remain faithful to Jesus' call for him to be the pastor of the church at Ephesus because that's what he was. He was a pastor. You know, the Greek word we translate fan into flames, if you look at it, doesn't mean to frantically fan a dying ember in hopes that it's going to ignite again. That's not what that word means. Instead, it literally means to keep fanning a fire that's already burning brightly, to keep it going. I think what Paul is really saying to Timothy here is, Timothy, regardless of what happens to me, continue to do the very things you're doing right now. Trust God. Preach Jesus Christ and love people. Just keep it up. So if our first spiritual principle is never forget in the darkness the things that God has shown us in the light, and the second is never allow the evil of this world to keep us from thanking God for the good Let's move on and find the third. Listen to the word of the Lord. For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, fear in some of your translations, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Spiritual truth number three. Never let the fear of what we don't know replace our faith in the one we do know. Never let the fear of what we don't know replace our faith in the one that we do know, Jesus. You see, Paul knew it was only a matter of time before the persecution that was sweeping Rome would soon be carried into the rest of the empire. As such, he knew that at some point, Timothy would also have to take a stand for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have to do that sometimes, folks. Which one day might mean Timothy's death as well. And as such, Paul knew firsthand the temptation would be to let that fear replace his faith, our faith, right? Let that fear replace our faith, take precedence. So in a gentle way, Paul reminds Timothy that God didn't give him the spirit of fear, timidity, which actually the Greek word really means to cower from something that you're afraid of. Instead, Paul tells Timothy that God has given him the power, the love, and the discipline to remain faithful to the end. He's already given you that, Timothy. You can do it. He's given us that. Guys, we can do this. It's not gonna be easy. Again, We have to look at who's speaking here. Paul had every opportunity to give in to fear of having his head cut off, okay? And to recant his public profession of, you know, of being attached to Jesus Christ because that would have got him out of it. All he had to do was say, "Ah, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I believe emperor's God. And trial's over. To have his head separated from his shoulders was a thing that was both unfamiliar and unsettling to Paul. It would be to you and me, wouldn't it? But he chose to replace that fear with the faith that Jesus would never leave him. That Jesus would never recant his attachment to Paul. And that Jesus would carry him safely into eternal life, just as he promised to do. Having come this far, Paul was not about to let this fear of something he never experienced, replace his faith in someone he'd experienced daily for the last 30 years. 
You know, Roy Watson was an interesting guy. He was ex-Navy, 70s, early 70s. Gosh, he was thick as a bull and strong. Alcoholic, uh, crazy. He, my dad hired him uh, to work in our shop, okay, to put stuff together that got broken. And he was really good at it. He fixed broken things. Uh, but he had a temper and, and he, like I said, was a bit crazy. And sometimes he'd be there, sometimes he wouldn't. Uh, the alcohol was a hard thing for him to get beyond. So, uh, here I am. I'm just falling, okay? I'm headed head first to the ground, which was rocky, and uh, no stopping. And out of the blue, Roy Watson shows up. Have you ever tried to catch 140 pounds of dead weight falling two floors? Let me tell you something. That ain't easy to do. But Roy Watson caught me. My head got about that close to the ground when he stopped. It buckled his knees. But that guy, he caught me. When I fell head first, Roy Watson was there. I can tell you guys, beyond a shadow of a doubt, When Susan fell last week, someone better than Roy Watson was there to catch her. You know, it's not a, I'm not telling you something just to make you feel good. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus caught Susan. He'll catch us too. All of us, Tom, you, me, all of us. We don't need Roy, although I'm grateful Roy was there. We have Jesus. Now, I don't know where any of this hits you, but I do know this. When the bottom falls out of our world, leaving us with the little bitty pieces, there are three things, at least three things. There's probably more, but there's at least three things we can do to hold on. One, never forget in the darkness the things that God has shown us in the light. Pretty simple. Two, never allow the evil of this world to keep us from thanking God for all the good, the blessings. And three, never let the fear of what we don't know replace our faith in the one we do know. And if you don't know him today, today be a great day to start getting to know him. And this would be a great place to do that. I know the word is preached faithfully every week, and I'm always grateful for that, Danny. You know, I mean, as pastors, we always like to leave places better than we found them, and we're always grateful to see people who come in and make them better. So I've always been grateful for you, and uh, glad you're home. (laughs) So think about that this week, and if you'd like to talk to someone, I know that Danny and the elders will be here available to talk to you. Heather, so, and for you guys, Tom, Alex, and you, this is a great place to be. It's good to have you back. We watched you grow up here. Don't be scarce. We love you guys. We'll help you get through this. Promise, right? 
Amen. Lord, we give you honor and glory. We thank you for this day. Um, I, I know that the falling is going to continue for a while, but we know you're going to catch us. We trust you, Lord. We believe. We know you want life for us, and we know, Lord, we know where Susan is, and we're grateful. You caught her. So, Lord, hear our prayers this week. Walk with each of us, and if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, invade their world, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Surround them with people who love you and love them. Don't let them get far away. Instead, Lord, find them. Bring them home. Stop the fall for them as well. We ask this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Our benediction this morning again comes from 3.20, Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that we can ask or even imagine. And Lord, today our imaginations are so scattered. But you're able to meet us where we are in our imaginations, and you're able to go beyond our imaginations. Some of us can't even imagine this afternoon or tomorrow, but you can do that. You can go beyond our imagination by the power that is within us, your Holy Spirit. So Lord, to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.